Okay, so Dave often talks about your prices are not high enough. You need to raise your prices. Raise your daggone prices, people. Come on, (laughs) let's go. But how do you know what your price should be? When is it right to raise it? How should you raise it? How much should you raise it? Just wait. We're going to talk about all of this in today's episode. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. Dave Menz and my beautiful wife, Carla, we're here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And holy cow, are we exhausted because we just (laughs) finished our first wash, dry, fold, pickup and delivery workshop for the 13 of you that flew across the country uh, to spend two, two and a half days with us here in Cincinnati. You know what we mean. That was a long, intensive couple of days. It was. It was packed. Holy cow, was it worth it? Yes. That was fantastic. It was awesome, but exhausting. It was exhausting. (laughs) We wore out those 13 people. They're watching this. Listen to this. They're nodding their heads right now. But anyway, that's not what this episode is about. But if you haven't checked out our Watch Dry Full Pickup and Delivery Workshop, we have another one coming in April 2023. Mm -hmm. So depending on when you're watching this episode, go check that out on our website, on our coaching page. It gives you more information on what that's like. Mm -hmm. The 13 people that came to our first one, they were blown away by the value that our team was able to provide to them for the investment they made. Um, And we're going to double down and make sure that next one is even better. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Let's jump into this episode, guys. That's what it's really all about. We told you self-serve pricing. The first thing is we want to keep in mind that this is not discussing – we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of uh, drop-off laundry prices and and different things, you know, pickup and delivery prices and things like that. There probably are some golden nuggets. There's some lessons Mm. in here that you could apply to these things. No. Knowing who your ideal avatar is, know your market mm-hmm. and things, your industry, things like that. How your product um, compares to the mm-hmm, others, to your all competitors. that kind of stuff, Yeah, and we're going to dive all in, into all that. But this is really just about self-serve pricing. And the, really, the reason I wanted to do this is to, one, obviously, I say ad nauseum that people need to raise their prices. Whether you're a commodity-based laundromat, you're middle of the road, or you're what I call a full-service laundry center providing self-serve laundromats in an amazing facility and operation. The truth is, I really believe that most of us in this industry really undervalue what Mm -hmm. we provide to the market. And so we just want to share with you our knowledge and experience. We've coached clients that, you know, run different types of laundromats. I have for five years now. Um, And I coach them through this process, too. Uh, And most of my my coaching clients laugh because typically within the first one or two calls of a coaching agreement, I'm like, we need to raise your prices. We need to raise your prices regardless of where their operations are at. They're just not valuing uh, what they provide to their market, and I'm passionate about that. The reason I'm passionate about that before we jump into is just because if your prices are not fair to market value, then you're underselling yourself. If you're underselling yourself, you're not going to have the revenue and the margins to reinvest in your business mm-hmm. and take some home to your family. And if you're, you, you, we're all going to take it home to the family, right? We're all going to make sure our kids are fed and things like that. 
So what gets left off is we don't reinvest in our business. Mm -hmm. If we don't reinvest in our business, our business model and our value prop continues to go down year Mm -hmm. after year. And that's not good for anybody. It's not good for you and your family. It's not good for your community. So that's really what this is all about. It's just a passion for us, for elevating the industry. Mm -hmm. And we're not saying we're the experts. We are just people that have opinions on how we do things based on our operations here in Cincinnati and our coaching Well, and we always focus on it's all about serving the customer and um, better serving the community. Mm -hmm. And if your business isn't healthy, then you can't continue to serve your community. It's just a matter of time before your your business starts to fall apart, like you talked about. If you're not reinvesting in that business, if you aren't making enough profit to make it a healthy business, that's doing your community no service. Yeah, and and to tell you the truth, Carla, there's a lot of laundromat, I would argue most laundromat owners out there that are under pricing their services, a lot of times they're undervaluing themselves, and yes, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times they're also doing it out of a really good heart. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want to gouge people. They don't want to, well, I make enough. I make enough. I hear things like that all the time. I'm like, enough for what? Because you have 15-year-old equipment, no money in the bank, and no plan to reinvest and and replace that equipment at some point, whether it's Mm -hmm. 20, 30 years or next year. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars, not to mention your infrastructure decaying and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and they just don't think about that. It actually comes from a really good place, yeah. which is why I like to push people. All right, so let's jump into it. The first thing is when you are establishing self-serve prices, the first thing you have to do is base your value proposition. Look at your value proposition. And just so we can kind of roughly define this, our value proposition is a totality of the value that we provide to our sub-market. Mm-hmm. I call our sub-market typically anywhere from 8 to 10 miles radius around your store. In some markets, it's 1 or 2 miles. In some markets, mm-hmm. it's 10 to 20 miles. But 8 to 10 miles, or you know, a circumference around your store is typically a pretty good area to kind of focus in on for a sub-market. What is your value proposition? What I mean by that is if you're not a commodity-based laundromat, then you're not just selling them a 20-pound washer. Mm-hmm. It's the totality of the value. When they come in, are they safe? Do they have convenient parking? Do they have restrooms that are clean and available to them? Mm-hmm. Do they have friendly attendance on duty? And there's different levels of that. It's not just you have a friendly attendant or you don't. Mm-hmm. You might have an attendant that's not so friendly. You might have a really friendly attendant that's not well-trained, mm-hmm. right? So it runs the gamut of the value prop and what your totality of your value mm-hmm. is that you provide to your sub-market. So I almost think of that along with what we talk about with market differentiators. Mm-hmm. Like 100%. The, the value you give are your differentiators. You know, yeah. when you have that that friendly attendant, that's one of your differentiators, which increases your value proposition. Like 100%. the more differentiators you have, the more that value proposition is going up. That's yep. the way I think of it. That's that's 100% accurate. No doubt about it whatsoever. It is relative to what your competitors do and don't mm-hmm. do. Now, you don't control what they do, mm-hmm. but you should be aware of what they do. You shouldn't be obsessed with it, mm-hmm. but you should be aware of what they're doing and how you compare to the market. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to dive into. There's nothing better than free. Ever heard that before? Well, it's not true. You know what your laundromat customers like even better than free? It's fast. That's right. They want to save time more than they want to save money in most cases. They want to get in and out of your laundromat as fast as possible, and they'll pay more for that experience. We're proof of that here in Cincinnati. That's why we added HM Company drain troughs into our newest store in Cincinnati. 
While they may never know why, your customers will love that your washers all drain better and faster than with old school drain pipes. As if that wasn't enough, every HM drain trough is made in the USA, so they ship in only a few weeks and everyone is custom made just for you and your project. If you want to provide your customers with a top of the industry experience in your store, then contact your distributor to order your HM Company drain trough today or visit draintroughs.com. So the other thing is the industry. So how does your facilities, your operations, your business model compare to the industry as a whole? And people say, well, they're not in my market. Why does it matter? An example of where it would matter and probably one of the most extremes is like, let's say we have a laundromat here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we have, uh, we're in the suburbs, we're in the east side of Cincinnati. And this Mm -hmm. doesn't happen. This this is not a real life scenario. Mm -hmm. But just to give you a hypothetical, let's say we have a couple laundromats that are within 10 miles of our stores. Mm-hmm. And there's, let's say there's two laundromats, and they're both complete and utter dumps. Like, they are open for business, but that's it. 90% of the equipment work, doesn't work. Just awful, awful, terrible facilities. No operations whatsoever. Well, if we're at the top of the industry, and they're at the bottom of the industry, then our submark like, we're basically not even in the same industry as them. Does okay. that make sense? And so, so you can't compare yourself to them because you're driving, a basically, in my mind, a completely different industry. So time. you look at your submarket as long as you have like viable competitors to compare to, and if not, then you look at the industry and basically look for viable competitors across the industry or like industry averages. To compare yourself to. Okay. But there's one caveat to that, and that is you might have viable competitors in your market, but mm-hmm. they might be underpriced by 50%. They okay. might they might be as good as you, but drastically underpriced. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're equal to you, which by the way, I've been in thousands of laundromats <laughs> and I know thousands of laundromat owners. I've never seen two that are the same. Yeah. That does not exist. Well, there's there so many variables. There's oh, so many goodness, variables. So, so many. but overall, <clears throat> like if you would rate, okay, maybe you're a little higher on this, mm-hmm. they're a little higher on this, but overall you're kind of Equal on equal yeah. standing ground. Yeah, because if they're, let's say they're within 15 or 20% of you, but their prices are 50% of yours, mm-hmm. <clears throat> then you're only, I mean, if, if you use that as your baseline, then you're letting them set the market and they're incorrect. Like they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And you're following a leader that's a bad leader. But so if you, you start raising your prices, if you start raising your prices, are you going to lose customers in that case? Well, there's a, there's a tipping point, right? And we're going to yeah. talk about that. I mean, okay. there's a balance. Yes, you're correct. You might, if the industry average suggests that with your quality of service and business model, that you can charge 50% more than you are right now, but they're 20% less than you, but charging 50% less, then yeah, mm-hmm. there's a pivot point, right? There's a tipping okay. point. And, you, and that's why I tell people in almost every aspect of this industry and most businesses, Everything's relative, um, but you also have to take into consideration your market and things like that. You can't just do whatever you want to do, even if somebody in Cincinnati, Ohio, is able to do what they want to do. Also, what I tell people is if that's the case, uh, I'm not suggesting to do anything illegal, price fixing, or anything like that. A lot of times, it's really, really healthy to have a good relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. And then you, too, see yourself as driving the industry forward. If you have conversations like that, uh, you'd be surprised how some people, I'm aware, not all and probably not even most, you'd be surprised how some laundromat owners will be like, oh, so that's how you do it. 
never really knew. I just kind of like, I don't know, raise my price a quarter or two every year or so. Yeah. And I didn't even know. You have those conversations with them. You're not price fixing. You're just explaining how you price. I mean, you could literally share this episode with them. Yeah. And they would probably learn a lot. Or just share like industry averages with yep. them mm-hmm. for different pound machines or something like that. Yeah. There are so many people in this industry and why it's why also why I'm so passionate about networking and encouraging people to build relationships outside their markets is because you would not believe how many people just operate in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. They they don't even know there is an industry. They don't care. They don't they don't understand the value in in learning from each other and attending conferences and workshops and things like that. They're just they do what they do. And I always say, and maybe that works until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Until somebody comes in and blows your market up, and then you're in big trouble. Yeah. So education, networking, things like that are powerful. So if you don't do those, make sure that you're valuing those things and doing those things. And that can be in your sub-market, but it, all mm-hmm. co- it also can be across the industry. This is how I've learned a lot of these things. Yeah. Okay, so the first step is to compare yourself. Do an honest assessment of yourself. Compare yourself to your sub-market. If you don't have viable competitors in your sub-market, then look at the industry as a whole. Okay, so what's And honestly, even if you do have viable competitors, you still want to use that relativity. Mm -hmm. You still want to have those conversations and those relationships. Yeah. It's not an either or. You want to take both of them into consideration. But the first one, if it doesn't exist in your sub-market, then, I mean, you just got to move on. Yeah. All right, so the first thing is when you're – you may say to yourself, so how do I determine – what my value prop Mm -hmm. is. So first of all, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this is not a science. We're not going to give you a spreadsheet. tells you everything you need to know. This is an art, and I say that all the time. So keep in mind, you know more about your community, your market, your sub-market than I do. You probably know more about your business model. Well, you definitely know more about your business model than me because even if you have a similar business model, it's not identical. Mm. All right, so the first thing that is the most important for us to do when we're determining our value prop relative to our market or our sub-market is we have to have a fair and transparent assessment. And my coaching clients laugh all the time, but I I call it the ugly baby syndrome. And they laugh at me all the time, and I know, I know. Everybody's like, oh, that's so horrible. Look, all babies are precious. All babies are gifts from God. But we all know that some babies are cute, some babies are okay, and some babies are ugly. So very gorgeous. Michael, shut the door. You're letting bugs in. (laughs) Is it me or was that the ugliest baby you have ever seen? That's just a fact. Now, they usually grow out of it pretty quick and become adorable toddlers. But the truth is, some newborn babies are not attractive, okay? The reason I bring this up isn't to get all the moms and dads of the world mad at me. The reason is because 100% of the time, those not attractive babies, their moms and dads aren't aware. (laughs) And so that's what I'm really trying to do, is trying to point out to you that you could have an ugly baby, and your baby is precious, and you love your baby, but you're not aware that your baby's Mm. ugly. Everyone around you is aware, and nobody's Mm going to tell you that. Um, so that's the first thing is make sure it's a fair and transparent assessment. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. So as a quick piece of advice, one of the things that I've done in the past is find either a friend or a family member or maybe an employee who's one of those people who is like too honest. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, 
if your baby's ugly, they'll tell you their baby's ugly, right? There's those people exist. Let's just use their strengths. <laughs> Let's use their strengths. And you ask them, you know, and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. I want a fair assessment of my business, how mm-hmm. it compares to others. Here's a checklist. And we have a facilities and operations checklist. It's called a competitive analysis checklist. It's free on our website, laundromatmillionaire.com. You can download it there. Um, and that's what I use, by the way. That's why I share it with you all for free. Mm-hmm. That's what I use when I'm doing these determinations myself, and I will have employees go and assess those things too. Um, so that's the first thing. Any questions there? Nope. Okay. Okay. So, so then, assess your baby. Yep. Assess your baby. As uh, it compares to your competitors. Absolutely. <laughs> compares to your market. The next one is remember that our business breaks down into two equal parts, and I stress the word equal. Because my experience has been most people in the industry that are focusing on their business, they focus 100% on facilities. And very rarely do they focus on what I call operations, how the Mm -hmm. business is run. I have actually seen many scenarios where the facilities are okay, they're average, Mm -hmm. nothing special, but the operations are amazing. I mean, that Mm -hmm. owner is on it. They may not have a lot of money, but they know how to build a staff, train a staff, run a staff. A lot of times the owner is one of the ones that's very type A, and they're in their store 20, yeah. 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And so their their employees couldn't misbehave if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, never forget to check your facilities and your operations both and try to compare those. I say it's, it's roughly 50-50, and I really truly believe that. Um, you can be successful, depending on your competitors, with great facilities and bad operations, and you can be successful with bad facilities and great operations. Mm-hmm. Usually there's some tipping point there. That's the case. But really what you want to do is, at least in your mind, categorize these two things and say, okay, where do we compare to our submarket and to the industry and facilities? Mm-hmm. And then where do we compare in operations? We have Mm -hmm. to be fair and transparent. That competitive checklist is nothing special. It's a very basic checklist that I use. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, once again, not the be-all, end-all, but I think it's a tool that will help you. Yeah. And I think of, and I know you say operations, but I think of operations almost as the customer service because you're Mm -hmm. looking at it from a customer standpoint. So, you know, what does the customer see as far as your operations? Well, (laughs) in operations, I mean, you could talk about facilities being clean or unclean, Mm -hmm. but then I could turn it around and say, but your operations are a result of that, right? Is your store clean or unclean? Okay, it's it's clean. Uh, Well, it's clean because you have great operations Mm -hmm. or vice versa. So sometimes it's like my store is unclean. If you categorize that as facilities, Okay, well, do the machines clean themselves? Actually, okay. they kind of do. But that's, <laughs> but Not I the outside of but themselves. I, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, but you, I think everybody knows what we mean, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. So the next thing is I want to focus – I want you to focus on what is your business model mm-hmm. and who is your ideal avatar? Now, I use that word all the time. It's just a marketing word. It just means your customer. Mm-hmm. What is your business model? If you don't know what it is, you need to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And if it's not what you want it to be, maybe you change. Maybe you pivot that business model into a different type of model. Um, and then who are you serving? A lot of times your business model will determine who you're serving, whether you know it or not, <laughs> intentionally, <laughs> unintentionally, right? Um, so here's the, here's how I break down kind of the industry as a whole. And by the way, there's a million hybrids. I just mentioned no two are the same. But generally speaking, I can break down self-serve laundromats, which is what we're talking about today, into three categories. Mm-hmm. One of them are, uh, are you a commodity-based self-serve laundromat? So you're, you're selling nothing more than mm-hmm. a sized washer or dryer. 
And what I what avatar are you serving in that market mm-hmm. or in that uh, business model? Um, you're typically serving a low margin customer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So wow. I think of this as like the discount stores. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the Sam's. You know, you Walmart. A lot of the Walmarts, high yep. volume, low margin. But when you walk in there, it's concrete floors. It's nothing spectacular. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't expect great customer service mm-hmm. because you're going there for the deal. Yep. And and the thing that the, the reason we say it in this way is because in a minute we're going to break down who we are, what we do, who our ideal avatar is, and how we mm-hmm. set our prices. And so we want you to understand that if you're not utilizing the same business model as us and you're not going after the same avatar as us, then you're not going to just watch this episode and say, Dave charges this, I can charge this. Mm-hmm. You're, but, but everything is relative, right? So you might be at a 10, 15, 20% difference or discount. But your operations, the way you run things, your payroll or lack thereof, unattended, attended, maybe you buy new equipment every 30 years where we buy it every 12 to 15 years, mm-hmm. um, things like that. All these all these factor into that. But the first category we say, are you commodity-based, self-serve-only laundromat? And Carla's correct. Typically, that's associated with a high volume, so a lot of customers coming in your store, mm-hmm. low margin. These are the uh, laundromat owners that will brag about how busy their store is. Mm -hmm. Um, During the workshop, somebody mentioned uh, how busy their store can be on a certain day. And I said, you need to raise your prices (laughs) because I actually knew for a fact that he has a nice store. And I was like, your store shouldn't be busy, right? That Mm -hmm. sounds like a good thing. It sounds like something everyone wants. But if you're depending on the avatar you're servicing, that's not actually what you want to be. So anyway, that's the first one. The next one is kind of a middle ground, right? That's what I call the plain Jane. So they're not just a commodity-based self-serve laundromat. They are a self-serve laundromat, but they're a step above a commodity-based. Now, by the way, commodity-based, I'm not necessarily saying you're bad. Mm -hmm. You're just functional, right? So the plain Jane laundromat is a step up from that. They might have a nice restroom, but they have 25-year-old equipment. Mm-hmm. They might have attendance, but they might not be overly friendly or helpful. They're mm-hmm. there. They're not necessarily rude, but they're, 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 their bodies are maybe some semblance of that. Maybe they're not paid minimum wage, but they're only paid a couple bucks above minimum wage. Maybe they get some kind of training from the owner, but it's really not that great of training. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? They're middle of the road when it comes to that. Typically, that business model it's focusing on medium volume, so they're not going to be super busy, and medium margin. Because you offer a little bit more of a value prop than that commodity-based, you can mm-hmm. charge a little bit more, but you can't necessarily charge what a top-of-the-industry operator can charge. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Any questions there? No. All right. I'm thinking of them as restaurants. So, so far we've covered, <laughs> like, I, maybe because I'm hungry. So, <laughs> it's almost dinner time. We're, we're not for dinner. Anyway. <laughs> So the first one's like the McDonald's. It's like the fast food, high volume, low margin. In the middle, now we're like, I don't know, maybe like you sit down and get waited on, but we're not anywhere fancy. Mm -hmm. This is like the, I don't know, the Applebee's or whatever. (laughs) Wait, our boys think Applebee's is fancy. Well, yeah, there is that song. They like the song. (laughs) Yeah, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night. Got that bourbon street stay with the Oreo shake and some whipped cream on the top two. Two straws, one check, girl, I got you. <laughs> we can't say the word Applebee's in our house without them breaking out into songs. Uh, anyway. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. let's go on to the 
the four-star restaurant. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so so this is what I consider to be top of the industry operators, and there's, of course, a range. So mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily comparing myself to you or the, the other people out there who know who you are that are top of the industry operators. Now, one thing I do want to say, I refer to these as value-based. Somebody will call these the Taj Mahal of laundromats, whatever mm-hmm. you want. Don't don't mistake me. All three of these categories are value-based, mm-hmm. but this category is just at a different level. This mm-hmm. is what most of us would consider the anecdotal, top of the industry, 5 to 10 percent, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay. And so when it comes to pricing, they are typically medium volume. Some people think they're low volume, but they're typically not. They're medium volume, but their margins are higher. So mm-hmm. these are people like us who intentionally don't want their stores to be busy. Now, we're not just trying to have one or two customers at a time. We're more focused on throughput. So if you mm-hmm. walk into my store and you say, this is a 9,000-square-foot store, and you say, you only have 80 washers in here? I have a 6,000-square-foot store, and it has 100 washers in mm-hmm. here. That's insane. That's because you're focusing on volume, and I'm focusing on customer experience, comfort, mm-hmm. throughput, things like that. Not mm-hmm. saying you're right or we're wrong. Just saying we're different. Yeah. And it's important to know who you are because now we're going to dive into how we determine our prices. And you may say, well, there's no way I could charge your prices. And I may say, you're right. If your value isn't based mm-hmm. in your market on your sub-market and it mm-hmm. isn't based on you being of the top of the industry operator in both facilities and operations, you're right. Yeah. Now, you now have the choice, right? Now that you know this, now that you have this knowledge and experience – Now you have the option. Do you want to step up your business game? Do you want to Mm -hmm. increase your value proposition, make investments of time and money in your facilities, in your operations, in documenting SOPs Mm -hmm. and things like that? If you do, then you can step up the prices Mm -hmm. that you charge. If you don't, that's fine too. We're not here to tell anyone how to run their businesses. We're just here to explain how we run our business. But by the way, our facilities and operations haven't always been what they are today. For sure. So this is the formula, if it's a formula, this is the art that we use and always have used to determine our pricing. Mm-hmm. Okay. As we've improved our business, 100%. our prices have gone up, which is, I think, the way it should be. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're running your, your laundromat, you're a McDonald's, which McDonald's make a ton of money. If mm-hmm. you're a McDonald's, you can't charge the Ruth Chris prices, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the best. I mean, that's a great example. I, I actually I like to use a relative fast food of Chick Fil A and mm-hmm. McDonald's. Two very different experiences. Both technically fast food. Not saying one's right or what's wrong. Both of them know exactly mm-hmm. what they are and they do what they do well relative to their competitors. Mm-hmm. But if you ask McDonald's if their competitors are Chick Fil A and vice versa, they're under no illusion that they are. Mm-hmm. Now they know people like us, the consumer, may put them in a fast food category. Uh, but they are not competing with each other. Make no yeah. mistake about it. All right. So, so now yeah. let's talk about who we are. You want to share that with them, Carla? <laughs> okay. So we are the latter category. Finally, we didn't always start there. Took a we, long time. Yes, because <laughs> all of our laundromats were basically dumps that we yeah. uh, bought and then put our blood, sweat, and tears into to turn them around. Um, but at this point, we would be that last category of we are a value-based um, medium, volume, high margin, full service laundry center. And why we categorize ourselves is just um, our, our facilities and our operations. Our facilities, we have um, all safe, convenient locations. Um, our customers can easily get in and out of them. There's adequate parking. There's um, 
friendly, highly trained staff, uh, that we keep them very clean. All of our equipment, we keep our equipment fairly new. We uh, get new equipment at least every 10 to 15 years. We try to replace all the equipment. Um, Everything's modernized with technology. Uh, We have comfortable seating. We have large aisleways. We have um, Santa wash ozone. We have kids areas. Um, We have what am I forgetting? Air, air conditioning. <laughs> air conditioning. Hybrid payment systems, different things like that. And we could go on and on forever. These are just a few bullet points that we focus on. But by the way, all of these things, we're constantly focused on being best in market, best mm-hmm. in industry. But we're never com- we never enter into what I call comfortable complacency. Mm-hmm. Like we've never arrived. We're always obsessed. We're always pushing the envelope. I just put on a workshop of our own where people paid significant money to fly into Cincinnati and learn from us. Mm-hmm. And in two weeks, I'm going to turn around and go to the the CLA's Wash Dry Fold Pick Up and Delivery Conference in Chicago. And I plan on coming home with a whole bunch of golden nuggets yeah. that will make our business better. So well, we and we learned some no things illusion. at our workshop <laughs> from, from the people that came to it. I mean, I, I know we, we were putting on the workshop, but yep. they shared a lot of golden nuggets with us that yep. we got out of it as well. I tell my coaching clients, and I know some of you are watching and listening, I tell them all the time, hey, hopefully I bring you way more value than you bring mm-hmm. me, but make no mistake, almost every coaching call I'm on, I learned something. Uh, So anyway, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but at the end of the day, it's important to understand that our ideal avatar appreciates and will pay for Mm -hmm. a higher level of service in both facilities and operations. They are Mm -hmm. not the commodity mindset type of ideal or of avatar. So one of the things that's important to know is your sub market, not necessarily your competitors, Mm -hmm. but to know if there are people in your market that will value that. Yeah. And I will say, most people say no, and most people are incorrect. They're mistaken. <laughs> most people think that there aren't anyone in their market that will value and appreciate that. Most people are wrong. But there are exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. Typically, if you're in a super densely populated, super low-income area that's a mm-hmm. fairly large geographic area, I mean, we're typically only going to attract self-serve customers from you know about a five- to seven-mile radius at the most yeah. In most cases. So if you if in that radius you just happen to have all commodity based operators or uh not operators. Customers. customers. If um, all of your customers are that price yep. sensitive. Mm-hmm. But I do think I agree with you that a lot of owners I think think their customers are more price sensitive than they are. Not that they're not price sensitive, yep. but they're only willing to bend so far. Like, okay. I want the lowest price, but I'm not willing to go to an unsafe location or I'm not willing to do my laundry in a dirty location or I'm not willing to go to an unattended location. So, yes, they might be looking for the better price option, but they are willing to pay more for certain amenities. Mm -hmm. And then the other side is sometimes they don't know that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, we have to show them that. And, and this is part of our story, right, is because we operate at the bottom of the industry, the middle of the industry, and now the top of the industry, some of those customers have literally been with us for 14 mm-hmm. years. But a lot of them have come and gone. Some mm-hmm. of them go to other laundromats. Some of them use their apartment laundry. Some of them bought their own washers and dryers and things like that. It's all part of the totality, and it's why we say we're not here to tell you any definitive answer to anything. We're Mm -hmm. here to kind of show you the art of how we make these determinations. Mm -hmm. And if you want to charge higher prices, chances are there is an avatar that will that will value that. And the beauty of being a you know uh, high margin uh, 
self-serve business model, if you will, regardless of your volume. The beauty is because you make more money per customer, you need, you need many less customers. Yeah. Like you, you don't, if, if you have a self-serve laundromat that's a commodity based and you're very low margin and you need a thousand customers to reach X and pay your bills, mm-hmm. I might only need 200. Yeah. And so a lot of people say, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to lose all my customers. Well, I tell them this all the time. You may actually lose half your customers mm-hmm. and your business may be healthier because of it. Yeah. You can be more profitable with less customers and less wear on your machines. So your machines can last a little longer too. Yep. It goes back to me joking with the client in the workshop. He said, my stores are busy. And I was joking. It was was playful. But I said, oh my goodness, that's terrible. You need to raise your prices (laughs) because our ideal avatar, they don't want to be in a busy laundromat. Mm -hmm. That's not what they're looking for. They pay it. They will pay a premium to not have to bump into other people mm-hmm. and wait on a washer and wait on a dryer. And and uh, if someone needs help, I got to wait on the attendant because three other people need help too. Mm-hmm. Our staff is not maxed out. They're available. They're proactive. I call it pro. Uh, I call it proactive attendance, meaning they're out there instead of just sitting behind the counter waiting for a customer to come say, "I need help." Mm-hmm. They're out in the store being proactive versus versus reactive. All right, so quickly, we want to break down for you, and I know this episode's getting a little long. We want to break down for you how our self-serve revenue breaks down. So we have three different categories that that comprise our self-serve laundromat. One of them is low-income renters without a washer and dryer that appreciates better facilities and operations, and they'll pay more. That's roughly 50% of our self-serve revenue. That's the same low-income customer that people say won't pay more money. Mm-hmm. 50% of our self-serve revenue comes from them. They don't have a washer and dryer. They don't have any more income than any, than other people, other income categories, but they value it. So they're willing mm-hmm. to pay a little bit more. The second one is middle-class families with broken washers and dryers. Or, by the way, they only need one to be broken to come to the laundromat, <laughs> which is very nice. Uh, broken washer and dryer, or items too big for their home washing machine. Mm-hmm. So your comforters, sleeping bags, pillows, things like that, they'll bring them into your store. And depending on the quality of your facilities and your operations, that could be substantial revenue. Mm-hmm. For us, it's about a third. It's about 35% of our self-serve revenue. Notice we're only talking about self-serve here because we're a full-service laundry center. Mm-hmm. We have other income streams. Uh, the third one is middle-class families that just get behind on laundry. <laughs> Their washer and dryer isn't broke. Their wa- their laundry will fit in their residential washer. But instead of spending 50 to 60 minutes to wash and 50 to 60 minutes to dry and then having to dry it again because they left and came home and now <laughs> everything's wrinkled and we've been there, right? Uh-huh. Uh, those people, they'll come to a nice modernized laundromat and they have no problem dropping 100 200 bucks to take 10 loads of laundry and they'll load up 10 washers, 10 dryers, Family of two or four will come in there and bust out 100, 150 pounds of laundry uh, in two or three hours, and they buy back their whole weekend. Yeah. And it's well worth it to them. At the end of the day, they value time more than they do money, but they will only use what I call a modernized laundromat. Mm-hmm. They, they would rather stay at home and do one load at a time than go to a dumpy laundromat or a zombie mat, or even a commodity-based laundromat. Mm-hmm. So you you can't attract that ideal avatar without great facilities and great operations. So now you're probably wondering, what do we charge? Mm-hmm. So our prices. Yep. So the way we break down our prices and based on value prop and ideal avatars, I break our washers into three categories, and then our dryers are based on our washer revenue. So it's not complicated. I want to lay it out for you. By the way, these are also based on industry averages for top of the industry, 
modernized laundromats. So we do what we practice. Okay, uh, Small washers across the industry, if you're the top of the industry operator, which includes us, um, your top loaders to 25-pound front loaders are in what I call a small washer category. Those should be priced based on the poundage of laundry. This blows a lot of people's mind. They've never thought about it that way. So what we do is for our small washers, we're charging anywhere from 20 to 25 cents per pound based on the size washer. So if you have a top loader, it's a 12-pound washer, 20 cents a pound is 250. Doesn't seem crazy, right? We actually mm-hmm. charge more than that. A uh, 20-pound front loader is $4 at 20 cents a pound. 25-pound front loader is $5, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously that's that's based on 20 cents a pound. So the medium category, <clears throat> these are what I call 30-pound front loaders up to 50 or 55-pound front loaders depending mm-hmm. on the manufacturer. Those typically are going to be in the 18 to 20 cents per pound range. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a 30-pound washer would be 540 and you can round up or down, 550 $6, $5, whatever you want. 40-pound washer is $7, which is what we charge for our 40-pound machines. 50-pound machine wouldn't be $9, et cetera, et cetera. The last category is the large category, and I know it kind of goes on forever, <laughs> but we'll just really talk about 60s and 80s because they're the most common. So the 60-pound washers, uh, or I'm sorry, the large washers, we're going to categorize as 60s and 80s, and they're going to range anywhere from 17 to 19 cents per pound. And so, for example, a 60-pound washer is going to be 10 bucks, which is what we charge, and an 80-pound washer is going to be $14. And keep in mind that doesn't include cycle modifiers, extra wash, extra rinse, things like that. Mm-hmm. That's the standard wash cycle. But that's not based on it being a 60-pound machine. It's based on it being a 60-pound machine in an amazing facility with amazing operations. Mm-hmm. So people will pay more for that. People always say, how do I price my dryers? Once I've established the prices for my washers, then what I'm doing is I'm trying to generate 50% of the washer revenue from my dryers, so I price them accordingly. So if I have 100% of self-serve revenue, I want a third of that revenue to come from my dryer category. And if that means I need to raise my prices to get that, to keep that Um, law of average balance, that's what I'm Mm -hmm. looking to do. Mm -hmm. And it's really only based on a couple things. Dryers take up less space, they require less infrastructure, and they're cheaper to buy. Mm -hmm. Um, Stack dryers, you can stack one on top of each other and they take up less real estate. Mm -hmm. And dryers in general are just, they're just not as complicated as machines. They're much cheaper to buy. So what do we currently charge on our dryers? I know we have different size dryers. Uh Yeah, we have three different size dryers. So our dryers, our 75-pound dryers, um, are a dollar for eight minutes. Um, Our 45-pound dryers are a dollar because we're a dollar coin um, hybrid with credit cards and things like that too. Our 45-pound dryers are a dollar for 12 minutes, Mm -hmm. and our 30-pound dryers are a dollar for 20 minutes. Okay. So if you're a quarter, you can break that down the same way as well. Yeah, Okay. okay. Um, lastly, just real quick, in case you're wondering, when it comes to vending, which is kind of part of self-serve <laughs> business, all we do is we take our costs for snacks, drinks, soap, things like that, and we have a 50% markup. Mm-hmm. That's all we do. Cost goes up, price goes up. <laughs> Plain and simple, end of story. If we don't sell as much, that's fine. We're not looking to turn a 1,000 Snickers over. We're just <laughs> trying to provide a nice value for our customers and have something convenient and available to them. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last thing, appreciate you guys being with us. I'm going to get through this. I promise. The last thing you might be wondering is, okay, let's assume that I've done all these things and I know exactly what my price should be. How do I raise my prices? And the it's not actually as simple as people think it is, which is why people so commonly ask the question. Well, it's more, how do you, 
obviously, how do you raise your prices? You just turn it up on the machine. But (laughs) how do you... (laughs) Great answer, Carla. (laughs) (laughs) How do you raise your prices where um, it's it kind of gradually gets your customers to the point where Mm -hmm. the they should be. Yeah. So let's or say you hypothetically. Don't freak them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, let's say hype. I mean, obviously, if you're only to underpriced by twenty, you know, ten or twenty percent, just go ahead and raise your prices, move on with your life, and keep yeah. them there. But most people are drastically underpriced. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, I'll have conversations with coaching clients. And they'll be like, "Hey, you're telling me I need to raise my prices by fifty percent." I'm like, mm-hmm. "You do." Well, I, that's freaking. Everyone will leave if I do that. And I say, <laughs> "I agree. Don't do that yes. today." Here's the strategy behind how we do it. Once again, it's an art, not a science. So the goal is to get to what you perceive or what you have determined based on this formula. Uh, The goal is to get to fair market value within 24 months. So Mm -hmm. that if you're 50% below where you should be, it's going to take you a couple years to get there. Then you're going to have to maintain. Now, if you're 20, 25%, it shouldn't take you two years to get there. Mm -hmm. It might take you a year. Okay. That's the first thing. It's based on how underpriced you are relative to your market and your value prop. Second one is don't do any more than a 20% increase at one time based on a difference of where you should be and where you are. So that's a general rule. I'm not saying you can't do 22%. As a general rule, we try not to do that. If you're doing something as aggressive as a 20% price increase, mm-hmm. there's basically usually two factors. One, when this episode's being shot, we're in the middle of drastic inflation. Yes. So you're going to have to keep up with that by itself. So that's something to consider. Uh, the other one is if you're making a more aggressive price increase, then you're going to typically do it associated with either a large retool um, mm-hmm. or putting a lot of new equipment in your store. So yeah. if you're raising your prices 20%, 25%, 30% at one time, you better be giving them something bang for your buck, right? <laughs> they got to be able to see the reason behind mm-hmm. that big jump. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, now, obviously, here, here's the thing. Raise When we raise our prices, we're going to raise them based on those different categories. So you remember when I said the small, medium, large? We're mm-hmm. not just going to raise all our washers at one time or our dryers all at one time. We're going to re-base them, raise them excuse me, based on the category. And I always start with the smallest washers mm-hmm. because those should be the highest price. Um, your, your, your 20 top loaders, 25-pound machines, if they're underpriced, you're going to do a drastic price increase on them first. And then three to four months later, you're going to do a drastic price increase on your middle, Mm -hmm. your medium washers, then your top washer or your large washers. And then you're going to go back and rinse and repeat. Um, And you're obviously going to adjust your dryer prices in the same way. You might do your higher price dryers, or I'm sorry, your smaller dryers first, et cetera, et cetera, because you always want your smaller machines to be priced at a premium. Mm -hmm. Uh, You always want to give people a better value for their money relative to your value prop. You want to always do that based on the smallest washers are the worst value and the middle and top are the highest value, okay? So once you reach what you perceive to be as fair market value, you've gotten, it's taken a year or two, you've gotten to that number that you think you should be charging. Then all you want to do is maintain it based on expenses, inflation, things like that. Your costs go up, your prices go up, and you cannot hesitate because Mm -hmm. if you hesitate, you will fall behind. And you spent all this time listening to this podcast, and you spent (laughs) all this time getting your prices where they should be. And then surely, you know, three to six months, every three to six month chunk, now you're just falling behind again. So now then you have to maintain, you have to stay there. And the last thing is one of the most beautiful things that I love about business and living in America, and I know we're not perfect, 
If you're wrong, the market will tell you. Mm. The free market, your customers will tell you. If you have a competitor that's maybe a little bit higher than you gave them credit for or you got that ugly baby and you're not quite as good as you thought you were, then the market is going to tell you. And so don't don't react quickly. You typically mm-hmm. want to give it 6 to 12 months. And if the market is insisting that you are priced incorrectly, then you need to adjust accordingly. You can either adjust your prices down, which is is tough to do, but you can adjust them down or you can raise your value prop mm-hmm. so that the market recognizes the value. And it's also good if if you're doing that in kind of baby steps, you know, one mm-hmm. set of machines at a time, it's a lot easier to kind of watch that, oh, yeah. that impact. When you see that negative impact, okay, I'm going to hold off on yep. my next set of machines and see how this goes. But I know every time we raise prices, um, we're surprised. Well, not even we're not so much surprised anymore. But rarely do any customers ever say a thing mm-hmm. when the prices go up. The key to the whole thing isn't to raise your prices. The key to the whole thing is to raise your value prop, so that you're mm-hmm. so over delivering on value that they have no problem paying that price. Yeah, that's the point. Not everyone. Not everyone will pay that price. Mm-hmm. Only the people that appreciate the value you bring to the market. And by the way, that's also how we price our workshops, our conferences, (laughs) our coaching. It's not for everyone, but it's available for you. If you appreciate the value that we bring to the industry, I think the market has made it pretty clear that our prices are fair. Mm -hmm. As a side note. All right. All right. Yep. Well, thank well, listen, you. Thanks for being with us today. We'll see you in a couple weeks for another episode of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. Take care, guys. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.